Welcome to Fitzarns Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer, designed to keep you informed and captivated about the South African residential property market. Subscribe to our channel today and enjoy conversations with some of the most influential, innovative and interesting industry experts, stakeholders and scheme executives as they render input in today's property market. Hi, good day. I'm Pearl Skeltema and once again, welcome to Fitzanne's Property Exchange. I find myself in very learned company today and I am so excited to hear what they have to say. But let's start off with what this podcast is all about. There was an initiative from a few members that started Sectional Title Living in SA Group on Facebook where it became clear that there is a lot of complaints about the functions and the conduct of CSOS. And a few people took the initiative to get all the stakeholders together and finally reached the stage where they could speak to the Chief Ombud Advocate Boise Mkize on Monday. Uh, in absence of Emma Powell, the DA Shadow Minister of Human Settlements, um, thank you so much for your effort. And behind the scenes, I would like to thank Teresa Williams for her efforts in this as well. But two of um, the members that attended this meeting is joining us today. So first of all, Vili, you actually don't need any introduction. Vili is the CEO of Stratafin, a financial solution company who provides bodies corporate and homeowners associations with responsible solutions for debt in their community property schemes. Willie has firstly practiced as a property attorney for over 20 years. He has been involved in sectional title management over eight years and founded in 2014, Willie built up Stratafin from inception to where it is today with debtors under management of over 300 million. My second guest is Zerlinda van der Merwe. Zerlinda is the co-founder and director of TVDM Consultants. Having grown up in community schemes, pursued her passion by graduating from the University of Salambosch with a BA, LLB, LLM, and listen to this, cum laude degrees. While completing her LLM thesis, specifically focused on the constitutionality of sectional title rules, Zerlinda undertook a comparative study of strata title in Melbourne, Australia. Having worked as a research intern for the South African Research Chair in Property Law, Zerlinda contributed towards various property law, neighbour law and sectional title Utah publications. As a trustee in both her professional and personal capacity, a member of various types of community schemes, Zerlinda lives breathes all aspects of community schemes living. I think all of us today on this talk has a passion for the industry. So welcome, Billy. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me here today again. Appreciate it. Great pleasure. And Zelinda, welcome to you too. Thank you so much for the invitation, Paul. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. So let's start. Can I ask, how did all of this come about? Um, who initiated this idea of talking to CSAS and 
what happened behind the scenes until this event finally happened on Monday, this past Monday. Can I handle that one? Oh, sure, please. So it, it was an interesting one. I mean, you mentioned that Facebook group, Sectional Title Living in South Africa, and that group has grown exponentially over the last while. And uh, I've noticed over time, and as has Vili, Vili is incredibly um, busy on that group uh, at all hours of the day and night. And we've noticed that there has been a, a lot of negativity around community schemes, on service, more so than the usual. And it's been a growing complaint that has really come pretty much over the same period as COVID. I suppose people are spending more time at home and seeing all these issues in their communities. Um, and unfortunately, along with that came a lot of negative posts that we reached a point where we really weren't able to respond positively regarding the community scheme ombud service or offer people any advice that would be able to really assist them in making sure that that process would run smoothly. I hit a bit of a roadblock in regard to a particular matter that I've been working on for a client since 2019. And when this year the client approached me again to notify me that they had not yet received an adjudication order, I, I suppose the right terminology would be that I, I just snapped. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, the ombud was the the chief ombud was the recipient of uh, of correspondence from me one evening late at night when somebody probably should have vetoed my email correspondence, but it was successful because when I shared it on that social media platform, Teresa Williams kindly reached out to me quite late the same evening and said, am I available to chat? And, and we had a good long chat at like 11, 12 o'clock at night where she told me that after a year of struggling um, almost on a daily basis with various political parties to see whether or not there'd be any inputs in assisting with the community scheme ombud service. She had been contacted by the DA, by Emma Powell, the shadow minister of human settlements. And there was going to be a parliamentary session a few days um, after our telephone call. Um, I immediately reached out to Vinnie uh, because the two of us had spurred each other along quite often with these um, issues that were raised on social media platforms. And we attended virtually this parliamentary session where um, the DA Shadow Minister was able to question the Chief Ombuds on a lot of the issues that we were able to feed through to her, Teresa Villi and myself, issues that we had received from uh, members in the industry. Following that, we had an opportunity to meet with the Shadow Minister um, and then, of course, go through to Johannesburg, really being in Johannesburg himself, me flying from Cape Town along with the DA Minister, and we were able to meet across the table from the Chief Ombud as well as a couple of their um, team members. And that's that's pretty much how, how it originated. I think an amazing opportunity, but it's only the start of hopefully uh, a positive move towards improvement in the community scheme on the service. I just want to say, well done. I think it's high time. This should have happened a long time ago. And Zelinda, please tell us what made you snap because it seems that that's when things happen. <laughs> <laughs> so it, been, it had me coming for a while and... Um, I've always been very positive about the Community Scheme Ombud Service, having been working with them since before the legislation uh, came into force uh, during my time at PADOT. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd, I'd always been on a first-name basis with everybody, hugs and kisses and all that fun stuff. So I was never wanting to be negative towards them. But unfortunately, in my consulting practice, if I give advice to my clients in regard to the processes that I know that the CSOS should follow, and they turn around and tell me that, no, that did not take place, there's something else, you know, that's that's unfortunately not something that I can can accept. And this particular matter... Or just ignore that. Or just ignore. You have to act exactly. upon that. 
A hundred percent. And uh, I wanted to do something about it last year. And Vili can attest to the hundreds of telephone calls that we had in that matter. But with my pregnancy and all those fun things, I just didn't need that additional stress. Um, <laughs> but I did tell my husband at the beginning of this year, the, the, the um, what do you call it? The, um, the gloves were coming off. And uh, yeah, that's much how it started. I think me and Vili can claim a little bit of this fame. Uh, when we um, aired that um, podcast with CSOS, with Jolene Wasserman, about the endorsement, CSOS's endorsement of the executive managing agents, that just had my hair raising. And I'm sure Vili experienced the same, and he was extremely helpful in preparing the questions um, that we had for CSOS. But, okay, we've got a lot to talk about. So please tell me who's going to do this what happened on Monday? What was the items or categories that were discussed with the Chief Ombud? Philly, over to you. Yeah, so um, Emma prepared a spreadsheet with 13 different um, categories that we wanted to discuss. Um, this came from all the complaints out of the group. Um, she set up a private email um, where all these complaints were then sent to. And she collated everything and then drafted um, the spreadsheet with the 13 different issues. Unfortunately, we only had two and a half hours. Um, so we didn't expect to get through all of them uh, because obviously each and every issue had to be ventilated and discussed. Um, mm -hmm. But we decided to, to start with the ones that we thought was the most important. Um, so we had a discussion about the Poppy Act. Um, we had a discussion about the process and procedure of CSOS. And then something that is dear and near to my heart is prescription um, of levies in sectional title schemes and CSOS's action currently in respect of um, writing off um, levy debts um, where they are older than three years. So, okay. so those were the three issues that we actually then ended up discussing um, during the two hour, two and a half hour session. Uh, we got various undertakings from uh, the chief ombud to respond to these things, to respond to these um, questions raised. Um, the full list of questions with the dossier of complaints were also handed over to them. And they undertook to actually come back to us and the time periods were then agreed upon. I can say that the Chief Ombud for Gauteng actually contacted me today um, and discussed um, one of the issues, well, two of the issues. He discussed uh, the poppy uh, issue with me and also a prescription issue and requested me to for forward some other documentation and also legislation and case law. Uh, regarding the discussions that we had. So clearly uh, something is happening. They are looking at what we are saying um, and hopefully uh, we will see um, some movement in respect of these matters and hopefully in time we will be able to give answers to what uh, CSOS's attitude will be and where they are going with these things and if it would be necessary to actually go to a court eventually to get clarification on these different issues. Okay, thank you so much for that. So from what I gather you're saying, you were received quite welcome at CSOS. Um, definitely so. Um, 
with open arms uh, in the boardroom with snacks and all. Um, so, oh so, my yeah. word. Uh, so, so yes, um, we were definitely well received. Um, it was a, a very um, good meeting. Um, I think there were no animosity. Um, and people listened to each other, gave each other the opportunity to discuss the issues and give our points of view. Um, so definitely we felt that we are being listened to. Okay, that's absolutely great. So Zerlinda, what was your perception from this? Did you get the feeling that um, CSOS is aware of all of these hundreds of complaints and that they are really willing to look into this? Unfortunately, I can't say that I got the impression that they were aware of it, which is quite unfortunate. Um, to, to use one particular example, this 2019 matter, um, two or so weeks before we actually ended up going to Johannesburg for this meeting on Monday, I had engaged directly with the chief ombud on the matter. And when I used it as an example during our conversation, um, he had asked for the details of the parties as well as the reference, although my various correspond and there were various correspondences on it prior okay. that included mm -hmm. all of that information. So it made me question, you know, what had actually gone into the correspondences before in the preparation for the meeting, bearing yeah. in mind that although they had a bit of an understanding of what the meeting was about from the parliamentary session two weeks prior, they didn't have sight of that schedule that Willie mentioned. And Emma had done that with the intention of being able to discuss it openly with them as opposed to having, um, for lack of a better term, excuses for a lot of those matters. Um, you know, Willie used the example of, of the provincial ombuds of, uh, of Gauteng having been in contact with him. I had the provincial ombud of the KwaZulu-Natal region as well as the chief ombud in contact with me today within five to 15 minutes of a, of a complaint having been sent through from me to them. So they're definitely honoured. It's just unfortunate that it's taken, you know, plus five years to get there, and it's taken having to involve the opposition party. Now, having been prepared for the meeting, I'm sure Billy would agree, we were ready to go in their guns a-blazing, but Emma was fantastic in coaching us to, to really follow the political in inverted commas or diplomatic way of dealing yeah, with things, yeah. which was really fantastic. And the way that she handled it and handled the queries and prepared, I mean, we can honestly say that despite the hundreds of other matters that she's involved in, and we'll mention, you know, the PPRA and all those fun things, she had read every single one of that 200 plus complaints that had come through to her because wow. she was Center. And I was very, very impressed by that. Um, I'd never, ever dealt with a political matter like this before, but I did not expect that she was going to prepare to the extent that she did. And she really, really, really pulled through for us. And um, aside from Teresa, there's massive, massive thanks to her. All right. Um, I'd like to go into what was discussed and um, perhaps the findings at the end of the day. So shall I give you the opportunity, um, Zelinda, to discuss the um, Popia matter regarding prescribed management rule 26 and 27? Just highlight a few things, what was, what was said, what was asked, and, and, and what was the outcome of that? Sure, sure. So the relief sought at the end of the day was that we required that the CSOS engage with the information regulator in order to understand the information regulator's viewpoints uh, with regards to access to information in community schemes, with particular reference to sectional title schemes, prescribed management rule 26 and 27, and mm -hmm. uh, the CSOS view as well. 
Um, we did ask for an legal opinion. Can I just ask, can we just stop here? And can I just ask you to explain or um, say to my listeners exactly what prescribed management rule 26 and 27 are so that they understand what the reason was for this discussion? Sure. So in terms of prescribed management rule 27, any owner or person authorized in writing by an owner in a sectional title scheme has the rights in writing to request access to the body corporate records. And the body corporate records are set out in prescribed management rule 27. And those records have to be made available for inspection and or copies within 10 days of the request, unless it's rules. And that is required Mm. within five days. And then with prescribed management rule 26, that sets out the financial records and accounts of the body corporates. And what we're finding since Poppy has eventually come in on the 30, well, all the um, registrations and exemptions and all those fun things were finalized on the 31st of December last year. But pretty much yes. around about that hubbub time of, of Poppy, many managing agents and trustees, obviously managing agents acting on the instructions of trustees, refused owners' contact information, especially contact information of owners and records of the body corporates, stating uh-huh. that it would be in contravention of Poppy. So basically putting Poppy above um, the Sectional yeah. Title Schemes Management Act, uh, bearing in mind that no legislation is above another other than the constitution of the country. So the Community Scheme Ombud Service played into that by issuing um, media statements, I think there were two or three media statements, and then speaking at various events, saying that uh, they had engaged with information regulates and it was their advice or opinion or view that uh, Poppy did apply and that it overrides the Sectional Title Schemes Management Act and that trustees and managing agents are authorised to deny access to members. They very quickly backtracked when queried on this view to speak about, you know, what was records of the body corporates. They spoke about that, that they would not agree that information should be denied to members uh, if the records were in terms of the operation and governance of the scheme. Vili explained to them the, what lawful purpose was in terms of Poppy um, and in terms of the Sectional Title Schemes Management Act. The two examples that we spoke about quite comprehensively was when a special general meeting or an annual general meeting wasn't being held or was needed, an owner or group of owners require the contact information of their fellow owners in order to actually get the necessary support to request an AGM or a special general meeting. Um, We spoke about how if this management information and this lack of transparency was uh, denied, how it would affect um, schemes and ultimately lead to a scheme collapse. Uh, the importance of levy collection and the and the record, records that are needed in that regard was also raised by Billy, and perhaps he would like to, to, to come in on that. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I can just say that um, in respect of levy collection, I mean, we all know that levies are, is the lifeblood of any scheme. And if levies are not collected, then a scheme will definitely collapse as well. And Section 9 of the Sectional Title Schemes Management Act make it possible for an owner to act on behalf of the body corporate and institute action um, where the body corporate has failed to do so within a reasonable period of time. And um, I asked the question, but how can an owner protect his rights in respect of, for example, the collection of levies? and institute action on behalf of the body corporate if the trustees refuse or neglect to to institute action, um, and he is not entitled to know who is who's in arrears in the scheme and uh, what the person's details are and the person's address is and so forth. Um, so it actually then 
uh, makes a mockery of Section 9 that gives owners that right. Um, and yeah. that was actually the discussion that um, the regional ombud of Gauteng had with me today. So he came back and he discussed Section 992 with me. Um, and, and we had a discussion about that. So, yeah, so, so that, is, that is also one aspect where, where one need to have a look at how do you protect owners um, in a scheme in general um, and just that there must be transparency in schemes and their problem is that if an owner takes that information and then uses that not in connection with the um, business of the scheme, and yeah. the Poppy Act is clear that that owner would then be not in compliance with the uh, Poppy Act. Um, so, so from that point of view, um, the trustees are indemnified as long as that owner has indicated that he will use the information in respect of business of the scheme. So if he then goes out and try and sell properties by, and canvas owners through, through the information obtained, then obviously that is an, uh, a purpose or a, a, not a legitimate purpose and, and he would then be in Intervention of the Poppy Act. Of course. Um, of course. So yeah, so so they seem to think that the trustees must be the gatekeeper, and there should be no there should be no um, reason for them to actually give this information. Or that was their thought at that stage. Um, okay. So what was what was the actual outcome on this specific discussion? Did CISOs agree that there are merits in your? Um, explanation of, of, of the matter? Yes, yes. Well, they, they did. And um, they have undertaken to come back to us by the end of this week as to whether or not they're going to formally approach the information regulator to get, in inverted commas, a legal opinion. Um, Emma made it clear to them that we require answers to this uh, on a formal basis, both from the information regulator and the CSOS, in order to avoid going the route of getting a high court declarator. So that's it's quite serious. Um, mm -hmm. And they didn't commit to going back to the information regulator, but they did commit to coming back to us at the end of the week as to whether or not their opinion would suffice to community schemes and what their opinion would be set in stone, and then whether or not they would go to the information regulator. But their opinion, okay. and I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. And, and will they thereafter then publish whatever these findings are so that the public out there is also aware of their view on this? Yes, the Chief Ombud actually acknowledged that the media statement that was issued was not comprehensive, is sufficiently comprehensive, and that's why it opened up the doors to all of these different uh, opinions on the matter. So their opinion definitely changed from when the topic was first broached uh, towards the end of it. It must be noted that out of the 13 items that we were there to discuss, we did only get through three, and uh, mm. the poppy matter probably took about 75% of the time, so it was, it was ventilated uh, quite comprehensively. Come to talk of it, will there be a possibility for a follow-up to discuss the other 10 matters that you had on your list? My understanding of it is that uh, all the matters are going to be dealt with. Um, it is going to be dealt with in writing from this point in time. The Chief Ombud undertook to look at every single one of the complaints that Emma had identified as being the really serious one. So she had received mm -hmm. over a two-week period via social media and that uh, csoscomplaints at gmail.com email address over 200 complaints, and she identified 35, which she sent through to the Chief Ombud for responses, and she sent about 20 to the Adjudicator General 
to deal with. And uh, she had thanked in the Adjudicator General's absence her quick response to a lot of those matters. So they are going to be dealt with over time. I don't know so much about a follow-up meeting. It hasn't been scheduled, but I don't think it's impossible. Okay, so basically you went there, you discussed three matters, but they are aware of all 13. Yes. Am I summing this up correctly? 100%. Great. All right. So who of the two of you would like to respond on your second subject that was discussed? And I think um, that is the most common one being the procedural flaws, the dispute resolution process. Yeah, I think Zerlinda is the correct person, you Thank you. Was it was it mainly about the 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 timelines, or was it did it also include um, incorrect adjudications? Zerlinda, please um, tell us more about this. Both, both. So the examples that were sent through were really a wide spectrum of issues. It was everything from the whole discussion about why the choice of adjudicator has been taken away, the issue of the waiver of fees, and how that then entitled the CSOS to shorten the process. Um, by taking away that choice of adjudicator. We raised a couple of concerns in that regard and they acknowledged it for the first time and they will be allowing members uh, not necessarily to have a choice of adjudicator but to engage at the moment that the adjudicator is appointed both sets of, of parties to actually know who they are, engage with the adjudicator. If there's any concern or conflict, to raise it at that point in time to ensure that the correct adjudicator is appointed, which is pretty much on par with the choice. Um, the other issues that were mentioned was the extensive loss of records and submissions. Many of these orders that were coming out or are coming out refer to either party not issuing submissions, even though extensive submissions had been sent in. It is noted that they do have a new case management software in place, but they still haven't answered the, the issue of this loss of information, which they are needing to do. Um, dealing with issues like... Um, the lack of consideration of non-referral to conciliation. So for matters where conciliation just really isn't going to work, shortening the process to refer it directly to adjudication, they've confirmed that they will do so. Not sticking to timelines, the delays, was a major, major issue. Yeah, and yeah, uh, essentially yeah, yeah. dealing with that. Not corresponding with all of the parties, not allowing the parties to correspond with the adjudicator, not investigating the matter to, sure, to ensure that the proper documents or even documents in general were provided. Uh, the lack of consistency across the orders and the adjudicators was a big one. Uh, the jurisdiction of the CSOS dealing with adjudications, not only on the papers, but face-to-face -face and remotely was a big one that was raised as well. And they've undertaken to allow adjudications to take place uh, remotely, at least face-to-face -face if warranted, including on-site. The poor quality of the telephone calls with conciliation, the rushed process when it comes to conciliation, but then the extensive delays when it deals with the rest of the process. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty much, yeah, pretty much yeah. everything was raised. Okay, great stuff. Well, I have to, uh, just a second, Billy, I, I have to say something great happened on Monday because since then, and it's only now the third or the second day after um, your discussion, I have already received four emails from CSOS reacting on disputes and complaints from way back when. So something Amazing. did happen. Something did happen indeed. Billy, I interrupted you. You wanted to say. Yeah, I wanted to just add um, that there was also a discussion about an internal review process 
on these matters and to get to a standard um, where um, adjudicators throughout the country would come to the same conclusion if the same set of facts um, are placed in front of them, so like a precedent type of thing. Um, so there was a discussion about that and then an internal review process, which obviously is not allowed in terms of the current CSOS Act. And then also the process that will be followed. So it seems as if CISOS is moving towards a process which is more adopted in the courts where you have an application procedure where all the, where the matter will be heard on paper or will be, um, will be looked at um, or adjudicated upon um, just on the papers. So where there's no dispute of fact and then more an action procedure where people will testify if there is a dispute of fact, uh, which will then also alleviate the pressure on CISOS where they actually have to have people testify in the normal process, um, which obviously is not happening currently. Um, yeah. So yeah, so, so, so they are looking at streamlining that process and and changing it a bit more and then getting an internal review process as well. The two of you are actually making me excited about this whole thing. Wow. Okay, so the last item you got to discuss was the matter of prescription. And Billy, you said this is one of your great passions. So please share with us your, this discussion. Yeah, um, as I said, I mean, levies is the lifeblood of a scheme, and if levies are written off, uh, then somebody else must pay for it. So if a scheme um, has uh, legally raised levies, and um, after three years, CISOS comes and say, well, we write this off because it has prescribed, then uh, that money is lost to the scheme, and it means that that's, that money has to be recovered again. Um, can, and I just, can, I can I just stop you there? Was this part of the complaints that CISOs actually make rulings of writing off levies? Yes. Um, I have quite a few of those in my office um, where um, huge amounts of levies have been written off um, by CISOs where they have acted miramoto, so out of own accord, um, and has said these levies are older than three years and therefore it, it has prescribed and must be written off, and where the body corporate has then been ordered to amend the statement of the wow. specific owner, um, and that money has to be then written back. So, yeah, um, I mean, if, if you listen to the podcast that I do or the uh, webinars that I do, um, people will know that I'm of the opinion that Section um, 3 and Section 13 of the Prescription Act precludes prescription um, in a sectional title scheme because as long as you are a member of the governing body of a scheme, prescription is suspended um, and you can only unbecome a member uh, once you transfer your unit out of your name and you can only transfer your unit out of your name uh, if you've received the clearance certificate in terms of Section 15B3 of the Sectional Titles Act. So in general, uh, one would not be able to, to get away from the scheme and not pay your levies. I, I personally, in what we deal with, have never come across something like that where levies had to be written off and, and it really worries me, especially if you now say that, that, that you have quite a few of these where CISOs had made the necessary ruling in this regard. Wow. 
Yeah, so that is also concerning for us. Um, obviously, um, lots of the levies uh, where we have advanced money on to schemes are older than three years, um, and we hold that as a security for the payment of the monies. Of and um, and if that is written off, then unfortunately it will mean that um, lots of these monies will never be able to be collected, and the investors into Stratafin, which is pension funds, will then basically lose their money, um, which obviously can't be right. Um, I then referred them also to the Greenwood Village matter, um, a matter of the High Court in Peter Maritzburg, um, and a copy of that judgment was, or the order, and the whole uh, case was sent to them uh, so that they can go through that. And they acknowledge that if the High Court has made a ruling uh, that Section uh, th uh, 3 and 13 are applicable, uh, then obviously they will have to follow that order and they can't make rulings outside of that. Okay, so Willie, won't you, won't you please want to tell us about this um, Ready and Greenwood Village matter? Yeah, the matter of Greenwood Village and Ready was an owner that uh, owed levies. Um, she claimed prescription when um, she was sued uh, in the magistrate's court. Uh, the matter went on appeal to the High Court, and the High Court then found that uh, as a member of the governing body of the scheme, prescription is suspended and therefore prescription is not applicable. So that's basically the short and the long of the matter. So um, I believe that, that it is applicable and therefore that schemes will be protected. Schemes will be protected mm -hmm. because it, if, if it's written off and monies is owing, for example, to the city of Joburg uh, in respect of electricity consumption. They're not going to apply the same thing. They won't never. And that will mean that other owners will have to stand in and pay that. Um, and, and that's a problem. Okay. So what was CSOS's undertaking in this regard? So CISOS did the same undertaking that they will uh, look at the case, uh, they will look at the um, the Act, also looked at the Prescription Act. Uh, we also discussed Section 17 of the Prescription Act that says they are not allowed to apply prescription out of their own accord. Prescription always have to be pleaded uh, in a court matter. You can't apply prescription as a court mm -hmm. um, out of your own. Um, so, so they will go and have a look at that and then they will come back and give us an answer what the prima facie or their view is in respect of the evidence placed in front of them in respect of the the argument against prescription. And as I said, the uh, Ombud uh, for Gauteng has come back to me today, discussed it with me again, asked for certain other uh, documentation, asked for a letter that I've sent to them previously in this regard. Um, and yeah, so it does look as if they are looking at it and hopefully um, we will see a positive outcome. My listeners, can you hear what these people are doing they are using their own time and efforts to compile this information to be sent through without one single cent of remuneration. And I think that needs to be applauded. So to you, Vizirinda, to Willie, to Emma, to Teresa Williams um, that started this whole process, um, I, I don't think people out there really realize what effort went into this. So thank you, thank you so much. Um, Zerlinda, my, my last question to you, um, 
do you think this was just a first effort or do you think that with your um, lodging of these different complaints that CSOs will be more willing to hear from the industry as a whole and be uh, vigilant on the negative um, reviews they get via this um, social media platform? So before I answer that question, I just wanted to extend a thank you to somebody else in their absence. If any of you are active on that uh, sectional title, um, Living in South Africa Facebook group, you'll know a gentleman by the name of Nigel Capito. He filtered yes. through a heck of a lot of <laughs> he filtered through a heck of a lot of advice to Teresa that uh, in turn sent it through to Emma in regard to Poppy. So if he's listening, thank you to him as well. Um, as well as uh, a couple of attorneys that both uh, Vili and I work with that in turn gave legal opinion um, in regard to, to the Poppy issue too. So to thank you to them too. Thank you so, for that. I, yeah. I am going to remain positive in this regard. It took a lot to get um, Vili and myself to the point that, uh, you know, we, we were willing to undertake this and, and saw some positivity in it. And both of our businesses, um, less importantly, actually, strangely enough, and we were chatting about it in the car in, in Joburg, but this is this is our industry, this is our home, this is our passion, and we're not going anywhere. And uh, if this doesn't improve, and if this doesn't continue on that route to improvement, there's nothing out there for us. Um, so it's not just work, it's not just, you know, our careers, it's not just amplifying the business. I mean, that's a byproduct always, but this is our hearts. And um, we will continue wow. to push and we believe that we've got um, a, a long road ahead of us. But I do see positivity and light at the end of the tunnel. And it's, it's going to be ongoing, most certainly. Um, and for as long as people in the industry are going to send through these complaints and their legitimate complaints, uh, we will continue to assist. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the CSOS will do the same. Sure. You actually make me a bit emotional. <laughs> but yeah, I'm serious because this is our passion. This, this is our living and breathing from day to day. So it does make it very important. And um, um, I'm going to end up by saying thank you, um, a heartfelt thank you to all of you, to Nigel, to all the other stakeholders that were part of this. It's absolutely commendable and wow. So, um, Zerlinda, let's start with you. If my listeners would like to discuss complaints where they still haven't found a solution for their problems, where would they be able to get hold of you? So before this started, I did make myself available on that social media platform. And we do have our own Facebook page and LinkedIn page and all those fun things, as well as my own personally that is no longer personal, but rather related to the community. Um, I have made myself available to assist people as far as I'm able to. Um, and this is with dealing with delays and um, you know, incorrect and flawed procedures, because along with assisting, I'm learning as well and learning how these things end up the way that they do. So people are more than welcome to contact me and I will assist them as best as I can, along with my colleagues. Um, that will not be any legal fees incurred or anything along those lines um, insofar as it's something that I can assist with. So they can contact me on social media. Alternatively, they can contact me um, directly on my mobile. That's 082-402-4954. 
via WhatsApp, SMS, pigeon mail, whatever you want, as well as email. Um, it's my name, Zerlinda, Z-E-R-L-I-N-D-A at tvdmconsultants.com. Thank you for that. And Vili, if body corporates are in dire straits and they want to sell off their bad debt or perhaps loan money for a project to be embarked on and they don't have the sufficient funds available, where do they contact you? Uh, they can contact Stratafin. Um, the head of my sales and marketing team is Daniela Warren. Um, so Daniela can be contacted on 011-051-8555 or on info at stratafin.co.za and we will definitely come back to them. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, and there you have it. We will definitely talk again soon. We are going to make our industry work and we are going to make it a better place. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. This was Fitzsons Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer. Not only do we keep you informed on the very latest in the property industry, we also empower by expanding your knowledge base. Make sure to visit www.fitzon.co.za to find out more about sectional title scheme management, letting, sales and trustee training. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on all our social platforms.